Welcome to the CRISPR revolution. This is CRISPR Cuts, a podcast dedicated to the world of genome engineering. Take a break and join us as we guide conversations with an expert CRISPR cast about this cutting edge science. Welcome to CRISPR Cuts. Today, our guest is very special. I say that about all my guests, but today it's very, very special because we have Paul Dabrowski, our CEO of Synthago, joining us. Welcome, Paul. Thank you. I'm excited to finally be on here. It's been almost a year of CRISPR Cuts, and I have yet to show up. So let's jump into this. Yeah, absolutely. So generally, my guests for CRISPR Cuts are researchers, science communicators, and researchers who particularly work and know a lot about CRISPR, or even just people who are working at cool startups. And you are like a combo package of everything because you talk a lot about CRISPR and you work a lot with researchers who are CRISPR experts. And of course, you're leading this company. So I think this is going to be a fun episode. So uh, yeah, let's get started with the motivation of founding Synthego. How do you go from a background in computer engineering, working at SpaceX, to starting a biotech? Absolutely. The motivations for getting into the biotech space are pretty simple. If you look at it from a really high level, the opportunity to have a really big impact and make big changes really exists in biotech, unlike any other discipline, in my opinion. And what I mean by that is, I think that the coming 50 to 100 years will be curing most genetically based disorders and quite a few other disorders and diseases and extending healthy human lifespan drastically. And in order to do really the core foundational work for that, you really need to be technically steeped in the biotech space. And so that's that's kind of the highest level motivation. And then specifically coming out of the background of computer engineering and SpaceX, so my brother, Michael, and co-founder of Synthego was at SpaceX also, and he's also trained as a computer engineer. So when I say we, I'm referring to Michael and myself. We started at SpaceX and we saw how that company was being built with a really big purpose and impact in mind. And the way Elon ran the company was, let's try and build the human species into being a spacefaring civilization. And that's, that's kind of an incredible, remarkable science fiction sort of motivation. And you see the progress that they're starting to make over the years, over now almost the decades. It's possible to do that. And we seeing what that actually meant on the ground in terms of getting various people from different disciplines speaking with each other on the same language and setting up an environment where you have the designers working with the engineers, working with the manufacturing team, working with the testing team in a very integrated way to do what I'm kind of calling an agile development approach. You're trying to get the time from having an idea to testing the idea as quick as possible. We saw what that meant at SpaceX and we realized, hey, that's the same thing that goes on in the computer world. Agile development is a software development methodology. And to see that that translates into something that has physical hardware, space rockets, was a little bit It wasn't intuitive, but seeing how it was done gave us the idea, okay, this mindset can really be applied in other places. And it's kind of core to how you're taught as a computer engineer. And so it's kind of been many years of of that kind of learning. And the other side of what, what you learn as a computer engineer has to do with the scale. And when you're making a computer system or planning a supercomputer, it's to answer 
millions of questions from trillions of pieces of data. And a lot of that at SpaceX, we saw it translated into the physical world with automation. And so it seemed like focusing on setting up an agile company and focusing on scale and automation were really two of the key motivations for making progress in such a big task like getting to Mars. And so as we were thinking through, what should we be doing next after starting a couple smaller companies and having some successes, we were thinking, let's do something with a big impact. And so the life sciences came up. And then we, we started looking at the various technologies involved and we saw that DNA sequencing was doing really well. There is an exponential growth curve. There's huge amounts of information that are being pulled out of biology. But if you look at our ability to actually perturb the biology, change the genome, and write the information back in to test and verify what's going on, that wasn't really growing in the same way. And so we thought, okay, let's focus in on being able to do the workflows for writing biology. Let's focus on those kinds of tools. Let's focus on making it more agile. Let's make it scalable. And that's really the introduction to kind of the Synthigo approach and how we've been uh, thinking about getting into biotech. And then at the same time, CRISPR came up and this was probably a perfect analogy to what you were just saying. Seemed like science fiction that you can now just edit DNA. It's going to be very precise. Was that an exciting thing to just realize that when you were getting into the life sciences that there's now this tool that can probably change human lives and you could make it a part of your daily life? Absolutely. This was... Um... The idea, ideas of CRISPR and similar sorts of nucleases was really, first off, it was very fortunate timing. We'd, we'd actually already started Synthigo and we were focused on how do we create the beginnings of biopolymers? How do we make them scalable? How do we make DNA, RNA, proteins, all these different things really accessible and easy to use in context of modifying cells or perturbing cells? And CRISPR being a technology that's really, that hones the idea of genomic perturbation to the level of precision that it does and across so many different organisms and different genes is quite amazing. So it was quite fortunate that that focal point really came up and we decided let's focus all our efforts on being able to make CRISPR an easier to use tool, making it accessible to the scientists and see if we can help move that market forward. That was the first time where we saw there was a specific technology that we could focus on that was kind of an analogy or parallel to say sequencing, as I mentioned before. You mentioned access right now, and in general, from what I have seen, all of Santago's products are very focused to enable researchers access to CRISPR. So why do you think access is so important for researchers? Yeah, this question of access is, I think, the critical issue and really the, the main motivation because oftentimes when new tools arrive, they're hard to use and learning curve is steep. And as things get better, it becomes easier, but it's not always kind of, it's not always such a straightforward path. And this applies not just in the space of science, but also throughout life. Typically, something that's very accessible, it tends to be lower cost, it tends to be simple to use, and there tends to be a little bit more transparency around it. And these are fundamental principles that are, in my opinion, very important to move the technology, the science, and ultimately society forward in a positive way. 
Because if you start limiting access or you can only have experts working with something, then the use or misuse of a technology essentially lands in the hands of a smaller group of people. And so if you on average believe that people are good and that people have good intentions at least, then providing access to the technologies ultimately should move us forward. The question is, what are the blind spots? Are there good examples of how to use the technology? Obviously with CRISPR, there's a clear set of hundreds, if not thousands of various indications, including genetic disorders, gene therapies, cell therapies that could be created using this technology. And so if we create this baseline of access to the researchers, then they'll be able to have those studies move forward quicker and will ultimately have the benefits reach the general population quicker. The critical thing is to make sure that we're doing it in kind of a a wise way where we're making sure that the quality is there, the safety is there. And again, the more people have access to it, the more that all these things can be vetted. So that's, that's why access is top of mind for the tools. And ultimately, I think when you start making the therapies, the question of access to the medicines is kind of the next phase of really important questions. And so we'll see how that, that transitions over the coming, coming years here. That absolutely makes sense. And one of the things that I think really makes Santiago unique is this great combination of engineering and biology. And you very nicely explained how you took your engineering principles and translated them into a biotech. So do you think this unique combination is essential for scaling up and enabling access? How does it play into your broader mission? Yeah, that's a that's a very interesting question of kind of what are the unique characteristics of Synthego and do they play into access? And I, I would say yes, because access ultimately has to do with the simplicity, which means you need to understand something. And the access also has to do with the cost of something. So bring the cost down. Both of those come with scale. As you do more and more of something, you get to know it better and typically your processes get more efficient. And so fundamentally being able to work on biological processes with an engineering mindset is critical. But that doesn't mean that the biology is secondary. In fact, I'd say the unique principles at Synthego are that we we hold both the biology and the engineering kind of as first tier. And that can cause all sorts of confusion if, if people are used to thinking only in terms of biology or only in terms of engineering. And so breaking that down in terms of What kinds of processes do we have? How do we approach things strategically? How do we communicate internally? Are all really critical questions that that we think about and we, we try to clear up as quickly as possible. It's interesting to me all the parallels that tech and biotech have, but what's even more interesting is that they are still very diverse fields. So now after you have worked in tech and transitioned into biotech, what is the main difference or what are the main differences that stand out I would say the one of the biggest differences has to do with how specialization plays in to the bigger ecosystem. In tech, when someone specializes, there is typically a platform where you can either write your software, write your code, or you can figure out how to make a chip that then gets scaled to making millions or hundreds of millions of them because the foundations are there for scale. And so the distribution of someone's specialized knowledge to the broader base of 
either developers or ultimately end users is very quick. Like we saw that with Pokemon Go. That was incredible. In my mind, that was an incredible moment in history where you had hundreds of millions of people that all of a sudden got access to the same thing within a matter of a couple of days. That's unprecedented. Yeah. And so that, that's, that's the foundations of tech really working. In biotech, you have specialization, but you don't necessarily have good ways of deploying it so that it reaches the big distribution and it reaches all the, the people who are in the science. And oftentimes with a technology like CRISPR, like the, the uptake of it is incredibly fast by all standards in life sciences, but by tech standards, it's very slow. So Pokemon Go a couple of days. I don't mean to really compare Pokemon Go and CRISPR because it's different worlds. But actually, that might be an interesting case. Like, could you make could you make CRISPR so simple that someone could literally open up an app on their phone and figure out how to genetically modify cells or create a therapy that you know is going to be safe? Right. And that that sort of challenge that sounds like a science fiction sort of approach or thinking about how do you make distribution of something so easy. And so, yeah, you know, that's not the exact purpose of Synthigo, but the idea of being able to have a scientist quickly and effectively engineer a new type of medicine is certainly something that is interesting. And I think there's lots of, lots of fundamental challenges that stand in the way of that in biotech right now. That's a very uh, interesting comparison with Pokemon Go. <laughs> I'm thinking of like, uh, opening an app and finding a design tool on that. That's probably the closest thing we can do. Well, right yeah, with the, I mean, the, the design.synthigo.com design tool was intended to really simplify the design of a knockout. Just click a couple times. And at this point with the, with the Gene Knockout Kit, second version of it, we have some excellent guarantees. And so you see some parallels in the simplification. It's got a long way to go before it's very, very easy to use, but it's becoming easier, that's for sure. Yeah, and everything sounds like a science fiction in the beginning anyways, until you actually get to it and yep. you're like, oh my God, now we can actually <laughs> do this. And then everyone, yeah, everyone has a cell phone now and has access to the world's information. And we don't think twice about it, but it's really science fiction technology. I think Synthigo has come a long way in just a few years in terms of how much we can help researchers, right? Like starting with just guides to now actually editing cells and even moving forward in that space is really amazing. So I wanted to ask you, what is your long-term vision for Synthago? Where would we see it going in the next five years, let's say? Yeah, the kind of the, the parallel of technology being rapidly distributed, I think applies to where we want to be going with Synthago. And the continued simplification of using CRISPR for more and more difficult types of genomic modifications or using other nucleases, that's really the name of the game for us. And so engineered cells, you can get kind of a guaranteed knockout in one of several hundred cell lines kind of in a, in a few weeks by essentially swiping your credit card on the website and selecting which gene you want modified. And I'd imagine the capabilities for that will continue growing. So the idea of being able to do much more complex modifications or multiple modifications simultaneously to really improve the studies. And this then translates into being able to do more and more broad understanding. So not just a single cell line created, but tens to hundreds of them. And being able to do very simple readouts of, of that. 
So the continued progression of thinking of the scientist first and what they're able to study and allowing scientists to use those decades of training to focus on creating a hypothesis and testing it rather than really learning all the details of the tools and the methodology. So really, you know, empowering cell biologists with the with the tools of molecular biology without having to learn all those details. That's where this uh, continues to go kind of in the progression of the products we have. We've also, as we continue to go further and further into the workflow and understand how CRISPR works better and better, we've increasingly been closer to the applications. And so we're increasingly viewed as a partner in the development of cell and gene therapies or even small molecule drugs. A lot of that is starting to come to a head and we're really thinking about how can we help make medicines accessible by enabling the, the, the research and the discovery to be much more simplified, a lot more predictable, a lot more robust. Likely you'll see more and more of that also. I think in the Synthego space, we've covered a lot, but I also wanted to ask you a few things which, you know, a lot of us are curious as to how being a CEO is, right? So one of the things would be, of course, you have a broad plan for the company and even for your day-to-day and stuff. What happens when things change along the way or surprises spring up? How has been your experience or how do you deal with stuff like that? I would say that change is kind of the definition of a fast-growing company. And we've certainly been fast-growing pretty much doubling in size every year since since we started about seven years ago. I guess the first couple of years when you start with two people, it's not that big of a deal. But now that we're nearly at 250, it's uh, it's quite a quite a variety of things that can come up. And I would say expecting that there are changes and surprises and that things don't go your way is kind of critical because in a way, we're trying to bring more of a technology mindset into the biotech space and we're doing new things, both from that kind of macro perspective, but then specifically even within the use of CRISPR, trying to make it more predictable, more accessible, there's a lot to be learned and your assumptions don't always hold. And so you need to you know, have a direction that you're interested in going and you're, you have to have a strategic goal in mind, but you have to realize that that direction is going to keep changing and that path to that goal might not be a straightforward one. And so just keeping that in mind constantly is critical. And so it's, it's really about course correcting and making sure that what needs to get changed is changed and what doesn't need to get changed doesn't get changed. Right. That's, yeah, that's a lot of... Fundamentally, it boils down to having really good people on the team. The number one thing in my in my mind is we're able to respond to these changes because of the team we have and how we communicate and how we operate together. That has made it so much easier. That makes sense. And in fact, in the two years or so that I've been at Synthego, as you said, the team is expanding so fast. So we are a lot more people now. But what's amazing is that the culture remains constant. So that's, I think, a very important thing that you have one company culture, which everyone kind of sticks to. So that's that's really great. And so we always end with a fun question. And the one I have for you is about the name of the company. Did you have like a ton of name selections before you settled on Synthago? Or was that literally the first thing that you thought of? Let's see. So this was... 
Some names you could do by process and you talk with a lot of people and other names just appear to you at yeah. three in the morning when you're working hard on technology and nothing seems to work and you just want to break. Yeah. And so in this case, the name of Synthigo was was kind of the latter. And we were in our first office, which was essentially a garage and the technology wasn't working. And I think we had just burned some new new circuit boards and I was just absolutely tired of, of, of that. And I started sketching kind of ideas of what could a logo be. And the, the logo that we have, the little right-handed, right-pointed triangle with lines increasing from the top to the bottom in length seemed to fit because we were very focused on making biopolymers. And I knew I wasn't going to quit with the technology at that point. So making it kind of a little triangle that pointed to the future seemed to make sense. And what we were focused on at that point in time was the synthesis of oligos, of oligonucleotides. And so Synthigo is kind of a very simple way of abbreviating the two. And so there you kind of have the whole picture of how the logo and the name fits together all in one. That is so cool. Yeah, I I can totally imagine because I've spent so much time on naming, you know, my blog or whatever, and it takes forever and you overthink it for sure. But I think this has been great it's been great chatting with you Paul thank you so much for taking the time yeah thanks so much this is really fun thanks for listening to CRISPR Cuts I invite you to check out the Synthigo blog The Bench for more great CRISPR content please send us any feedback you have by contacting us on Twitter and if you want to join in as a guest on our podcast email us at crispercuts at synthigo.com CRISPR Cuts is a scientific podcast by Synthigo produced by Kevin Minu and me Bobby. Additional production by Resonate Recordings. Our cover art is by Jeff Merrick. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon.